Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Space matters. Not outer space, but the space that we're in. We've been doing remodeling on our house for the last two and a half years, I think. And we're coming down, thank you, Austin, to the end of that. But it matters the space that you're in. We work hard to keep this space a place that is conducive to worship. A place, thank you, buddy, that you can come into and that you can, you can encounter Jesus Christ. Where you are really does matter. If you, have, if you go to a theater, it makes a huge difference whether or not you're inside the theater or outside the theater. If you go to one of the amusement parks in Orlando, it makes a huge difference whether you actually get in the gate or just sit on the outside of the gate. Space really does matter. Where you are matters. Often uh, the rebel actor James Dean from the 50s is quoted as saying, um, live fast, die young, and leave a good-looking corpse. It's a ridiculous statement, isn't it? But people tend to kind of live that way sometimes. I don't think anybody really believes that, but people often will live that way. Reminds me of the parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 16 of Lazarus and the rich man. You probably remember this, but just as a paraphrase, there was a rich man who uh, lived on incredible food, surf and turf every day, uh, eggs benedict with crab on it every morning, uh, good coffee, single sourced from Guatemala. You know what I'm saying. He really lived well, and he had a beautiful house, and he wore Armani suits, and he had a beautiful car and everything. His life was great. He had a great time. And there was also a poor man named Lazarus who was laid literally at his gate, and he would go through his garbage to try to find food on a daily basis, just to try to survive. And the rich man was depending and thinking that this would go on forever, and certainly after death, this would be even better, that who he was, his good life he lived, would get him to a great eternal home. But he was wrong, because when he died, he was buried, and he went to the place called Hades, or the place called the initial hell, and he is in a flame there, and he looks at at Lazarus, who's been, I love the picture Jesus uses, he was carried by the angels to the side of Abraham. I love that picture. And he is in this paradise place, and somehow the rich man can see him, and he, he looks up and he says, Abraham, Abraham, can you, can you ask Lazarus just to dip his finger in some cool water and come to cool my mouth as I am suffering in agony in this flame? And Abraham says, oh, Rich man, your, your life, you had a good life. You had good things, and good things happened to you. And for Lazarus, it was a rough life, and it was filled with hardship. And now he is enjoying paradise, and you are suffering there. And there's a big chasm between us, and you can't go from one place to the next. One, you can't cross that chasm. It's a sobering thought, isn't it? And the rich man said, well, then Abraham, can you do this for me? Can you... Send someone to my family. Can you send someone to my house? Because I've got five brothers and tell them of this horrible place. Warn them. And Abraham says, oh, well, they've, they've got the scriptures. They've, they've got the prophets and they, they have that. And he said, oh, no, but if, 
in uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 31, he said, if they, he said, he said but the, the rich man says, if you would just send someone back from the dead, then they will believe. But Abraham says, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Kind of foretelling and kind of foreshadowing that Jesus himself would rise from the dead. It's a, it's a sobering parable because it, it tells us that what happens when you die, that's it. There is no, there is no change of status. Uh, and everything that matters is what happens in this life. Sometimes people will say, you know, I want you to pray for my dead relative and I'll pray for the family, but once someone passes, it's over. They are where they are. That's why this life matters so very much. But the point of the parable is that life isn't, there's a great reversal that happens often, and, and people think because this life is good, the next life is going to be good. That's absolutely not true. The reality is, it's all up to what you do with Jesus. Do you see yourself as a poor person who needs Jesus, or do you see yourself as a wealthy person who needs nothing? That's really what it's saying. Where you are does matter. And today I want to talk to you about an eternal home, your eternal home, if you're a follower of Jesus. I don't want you to miss it. We've been in this series these last uh, five or six Sundays about the five things we have in Christ. And we talked about that if you are in Christ, if you have received the gift of salvation, you have forgiveness of sin. I'm guessing in a group this size, there's at least a few people who are feeling guilty this morning. Jesus died to remove your guilt. The only thing that keeps you from innocence is repentance. Don't miss that. It's incredible. Because you know what? Everyone in here is guilty. Everyone in here has committed sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but Jesus died for that sin. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's amazing. We need to celebrate it. Also, you have security in Christ. You don't have to worry about, can I hold on to Him? Because He's holding on to you. We are trusting in Jesus to be our good shepherd, and we hear His voice, and that's what gives us confidence. It's not in our ability that we can be good. Some people say, you know what, I don't know if I can follow Jesus because I'm afraid I'm going to mess up. And then what? Listen, you trusting in Jesus, not in you. We're trusting in Jesus, not in ourselves, to save us and to hold on to us. We also talked about the fact you have a purpose and you follow Jesus. You wonder, what's my life all about? It's all about helping other people follow Jesus, to helping other people be the fruit that the vine wants to produce through its branches. You get to be a branch. You're not the source. You're simply the delivery mechanism for the vine to produce fruit through you. And then we talked about the reality that if you're in Christ, you have a family. That's why we talk about that so much. You have brothers and sisters in Christ. People who are following Jesus will be closer to you in a lot of cases, in every case really, than those who are blood relatives because you are bound by a different kind of blood, the blood of Christ. And today I want to talk to you about our eternal home, about, about heaven. We won't cover every aspect of it, but hopefully you'll leave with a picture that will get you very excited. And you'll be thrilled about what is coming. And for some of you who would say, you know what, Steve, I don't know if I'm on my way. I hope that today is the day you settle that. 
Today can be the day where you don't walk away with questions. You walk away with confidence that you'll spend eternity with Jesus. We'll start in John chapter 14, verse 1. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. We believe it's important to preach these kinds of messages. Normally, we walk through major sections of Scripture. We'll be back in Acts next Sunday as we'll talk about watching out for the wolves. Um, Today, we're going to talk about heaven. John chapter 14, I want you to understand what the Word of God says. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus says. Jesus is dealing with a very troubled group of followers. They are wondering, what is going on? This is between, this time frame is between the triumphal entry and the crucifixion. And Jesus has been telling his disciples, I'm going away to a place and you cannot follow me. Uh, John 13, 36, Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Where are you going? And uh, Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow me afterward. I'm going to a place you can't follow, but you will get there afterwards. There's a time that the disciples have to endure when they will be separated from Jesus. He is going away from them, and it's terrifying to them. They have risked and, and invested their last three years in following Jesus. And they have seen him do amazing things. They're like, what now? What do, you, what do you mean you're going away? Jesus will tell them about the Holy Spirit in the coming verses. But he's telling them, let not your heart be troubled. Just as I have trusted the Father, I want you to trust me in these days. I don't want you to be all worked up and worried. Um, I love how uh, commentator Gerald Borchard puts it. He says, don't allow yourself to be intimidated by the situation. This world is full of intimidation. It's like you can't believe that, surely. You can't walk that way, surely. Surely you can't believe. Listen, don't be intimidated by the situation, but continue to trust in Jesus. He is the one we are depending on. See, we're currently all in that situation None of us can see Jesus, but we all can be filled with His Spirit. Amen? We're all in that place where we have to trust what we cannot see. I love how the Apostle Paul addresses this as he considers this idea of life and death and heaven and versus living. He says in verse 21 of Philippians chapter 1, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh... That means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I can choose, I cannot tell. He's like, ah, which would I rather do? I don't know. Verse 23, I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart, to be with Christ, for that is far better. It would be better to be with Jesus than to be on this earth. But I, it's important that I'm on this earth. It's, I have important work to do. And then in Philippians 3.20, he says, But our citizenship, where we belong, the kingdom that we're really a part of, of, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's far better to be in heaven than to be here on earth. So what is heaven like? What is heaven like? If we were all to give kind of a description, in that description would probably be something like this. Well, I... 
I think heaven, we're going to be all wearing white and be strumming on harps. I mean, that's going to come up some point, right? And I don't really like, know if I'm going to like wearing white and sitting and strumming a harp. That's really not my instrument. I don't really know. Sounds kind of boring. Sounds kind of creepy, really. That's not really the picture of what heaven looks like. It's much more vibrant, much more real, much more wonderful. John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3 says this. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you will be also. Now, if you memorize this verse in the King James, you're used to it saying, In my Father's house, or in heaven, are many mansions. Many mansions. And you're looking forward to, you have this vision of all the houses on A1A overlooking the ocean. And I've got a mansion that's even better than that, and that's what I'm looking forward to. Really not the best translation. The better translation is there are many dwelling places. Many rooms, many apartments, many places for us to live. And you say, oh my goodness, I, I thought I was going to have a mansion. I don't know how I'm going to adjust to just a small, listen, don't worry about size. This is going to be better than any mansion you could ever imagine. Jesus says, I'm, there's a place. My father's house has a lot of places. I'm inviting you to come live with me. In this place, I'm inviting you to come be in the house of my Father to to live in this incredible place that's designed for you. It's amazing. And really, Jesus is focused on saying, I'm going, and in my going, I'm going to buy your ticket there, right? If I go to prepare a place, I will return again. And when he goes, he goes by paying the price for my sin and for yours. He goes through the cross and through the grave. And if I go, you'll have a place. You'll have a ticket. So it's so important that I go. I can't stay because I've got to go because I've got to pay your way in. That's what I'm all about. That's what Jesus is saying. So what kind of place is this? First of all, it's a place where Jesus is. A place where Jesus is. It's a place where Jesus' followers will be with him. Remember on the thief on the cross says to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says this in Luke 23, 43, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today. Today. See, there is no soul sleep. Some people think, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... You, when you die, you just lay in the coffin, or you just, you just, you're just dead for a long period of time. I remember uh, going to look at uh, the funeral home with my mother to do her, her final preparations, and uh, she's very healthy and all that, but you know, we decided it was a good thing to do, and many of you have done that and make those arrangements, and, and we, we went in and we looked at the caskets. It's, it's a little weird if you haven't done it. It's a little creepy. Um, and uh, my mother said, I don't want this casket to ever be open. That's not part of how I want you to remember me. I want you to have pictures. It's going to be great. So we walk in, and the lady, sure enough, she shows us, and she, there's a casket with the lid open, and she says, oh, look at this fine lining, this beautiful upholstery lining. My mom says, I don't care about that. I'm not going to be there, and it's going to be closed. You can have no lining for all that matters to me. And I love 
her faith and her reality that I'm not worried about that. It's immediate. Today. Today you will, be, you'll, you will be with me in paradise. And this was clearly Paul's expectation in Philippians 1.23, as we read a moment ago. He said, I'm pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Paul would never have said, I can't decide whether I want to be here or dead virtually, because if he was going to be laying in the dirt, he knew that he was going to be with Jesus. Heaven is a place where you're with him. And I want you to think about that for just a moment. What would it be like for you to be with Jesus right now? What would it be like if his face was before you? If he looked at you, if you were transported right now into his presence, are you ready for that? Are you ready for that moment? Is that an awesome thing or is it a fearful thing? Today, you can make it an awesome thing. You shouldn't be afraid. It should be something you look forward to, the one who died and paid the price for you, who loves you more than you could possibly imagine. He wants to be with you. He wants you to come and be with him. 1 Thessalonians starts to talk about this resurrection of our bodies in the new heaven and new earth. It says this, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together and with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so we will always be with the Lord. This is what's known as the second coming of Christ. This is the time when the graves will empty and the dead bodies will arise and people will they're glorified, they will be changed into a glorified body. It says in um, 1 Corinthians 15, 51, it says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body put on immortality. Here's what I'm saying. Some of you are really handsome and good-looking. You are. Some of us are past our prime. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. But a lot of you look fantastic today. You're going to look a lot better. We're looking forward to an imperishable body. This permanent body that God is one day going to give us. That will not get old. That will not have back aches. That will not need to see commercials about every medication known to man on TV, right? I mean, that's, that's going to be heaven in itself, I think. God is preparing a body for you that's so much better than the one you have. It's going to be truly wonderful and amazing, and it's going to be suited for the new heaven and new earth. Revelation chapter 21. God's word says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he shall dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Let me just pause again. Don't plan to go to heaven if you don't want to be with God. Okay? 
Some people, I think we think that, well, you know what, I would really like to go to heaven, but I just want to kind of be off in a corner away from God because I really kind of want to hang out by myself and I'm just kind of concerned about all that glory. And No, no, listen, heaven is going to be with him. He will dwell with you. You will dwell in his house. When there going to be millions and millions, yeah, I, I know that, but you're going to be with him. I don't know how it all works. I just know you're going to be with him. Do you want to be with him? Are you with him today? Is the Spirit filling you? Verse 4, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, I'm sorry, verse verse 4, He will wipe away every tear from your eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write these things down, for they are trustworthy and true. Let me ask you, would you like to have every tear wiped away from your eyes? Some of you have dealt with incredible grief in your life. And there may still be incredible grief in your heart. And it's so hard for you to bear. And you're like, I just would like for this to be wiped away. That's what's going to happen in heaven. Every tear will be wiped away. And God will make all things new. A new heaven and a new earth. Revelation 21 goes on to describe the dimensions and the size and the jewels and the incredible uh, uh, pavement of heaven, what that's going to be like. And then in Revelation 22.1, it picks up some other interesting information. It says, says, verse, verse 1 says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, brightest crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruits, yielding its fruit each month. The 12, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and its servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no lamp, no light or lamp or sun. The Lord God will be their light, and he, they will reign forever and ever. Get this picture. Remember Genesis? Remember when there was two trees, there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then there was the tree of life. It's the same idea. You see, man got, Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden because why? Because God didn't want them to eat of the tree of life and live for, forever in their sinful state. God wants us to eat from the tree of life in heaven because the sin will be wiped away by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you will be able to take this fruit and this food and live forever in this incredible place, the new heaven and the new earth. This will be more amazing than you can possibly imagine. Think of the Garden of Eden. Think of the very most wonderful, beautiful, fantastic, glorious, natural place that you've ever been. Think of the mountains. Think of the beach. Think of the Caribbean. Think of Hawaii. Think of whatever the most beautiful place you can be, and it's going to be better than that. It's going to be better than that. It's a new heaven, new earth. It's a way for us to think about heaven in a very tangible way. It's not just all ethereal and cloudy. It's very bright, very amazing, and it's going to be something you just can't imagine. It will be the very best party you can ever imagine. The best food you've ever imagined, the most fun you've ever had. That's a great picture of heaven, all in the presence of Jesus, the presence of God. But wait a minute, Steve. 
I've been following closely, and you can understand that, wait a minute, I thought all this happens after the resurrection, after the second coming of Jesus. What if I die today? Where will I go right now? What happens to me? You said I don't stay in the grave. What happens? Well, most theologians, Billy Graham, David Jeremiah, Randy Alcorn included, see there an, an intermediate state. You don't stay in the ground, rather you go to heaven, to paradise, probably the third heaven as Paul describes it, and you go to a place that's going to be paradise. This is where everyone who has been saved up until this time is. And you say, well, that, that's kind of crazy. The ultimate state, the final state, is the new heaven and new earth. And so today, if you die, you do go to paradise. And say, so, well, wait a minute, Will I, my body stays, my soul goes, will anybody be able to recognize me? Will I recognize people? Well, if you look at the transfiguration, you have uh, Moses and Elijah showing up. And apparently they have some kind of body. So the idea that most people believe there's going to be some kind of body, you're not just going to be a disembodied spirit. And also if you look at some of the passages in Revelation, there's pictures of people, there's pictures of, of elders around the throne, there's all kinds of things like that happening. So it would seem that you will have maybe a temporary or an intermediate body, but not your glorified body. So yes, you'll be recognizable. You'll recognize other people, which is going to be incredible, isn't it? We look forward to that day. We look forward to what that's going to be like. You will know others, and they will know you. Rest in that for just a moment. Look forward to that day. Well, how do I get there? John 14, 4 continues. Jesus says, and you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't have a clue. Let's just be honest. Nobody else will say it, but we don't know. This is my paraphrase. But Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. They're trying to get it, trying to process. Jesus, help me understand. And Jesus says something so important. He says, I am the way. I am the way. In 2006, Julie and I had the privilege and the opportunity to take a mission trip to Africa. And uh, we were going to lead a mission a a marriage retreat for some indigenous pastors and their wives. They were amazing people. And, but we, we were going to have to fly by ourselves from Miami. And uh, we were going to land in Nairobi, Africa in the middle of the night. And we were supposed to meet our leader there. I don't know if you've ever traveled to Africa. I hadn't. I was a little scared. I'm thinking, we're going to land in Africa? And I don't know, what if my leader doesn't show up? What then? We get on a plane, we land in Africa, and our leader's name is Bob, and Bob's supposed to be right there when we get off the plane. And you know what happened? Bob was there. <laughs> Praise God. I've never been to Nairobi in my life. We were supposed to go on a safari among a bunch of wild animals. Bob doesn't show. I'm not going on any safari. We're supposed to go to a conference center and meet like 10 pastors and their wives, these amazing pastors. It was going to be incredible. But if Bob doesn't take us there, we don't go. You know who was? You know what the way was? Bob was the way. 
I stayed really close to Bob. Because I wanted to go where I was supposed to go. I didn't wander away and go, well, I guess I can find it. Let's just go out driving on the road. And instead, you got to drive on the wrong side of the road there. It's a crazy place. Um, wonderful trip. But I stayed very close to Bob because I wanted to have the experience that we were supposed to have. I don't want to get lost. I don't want to get off track. I don't want to miss what we were about to do. Bob was the way. Jesus Christ is the way. He's saying, if you'll follow me, I'll show you the way, but you're going to have to stay by me. I'm not giving you instructions. I'm not giving you GPS coordinates. I'm not giving you an address. You stay with me. We'll get where you need to go. Jesus said, I am the way, and I am the truth. I am the truth. Uh, Christian psychologist Henry Cloud says, the truth is always your friend. Are you comfortable with the truth? Do you want the truth? The time I don't want the truth is when I take my car in to get fixed. And you just kind of, kind of grit your teeth. Maybe you just put something in your mouth to bite down on when he tells you it's going to cost you more than you paid for your house, you know. Well, that's a house payment right there, Mr. Thomas. What? But the truth is always your friend. Jesus tells us the truth about us and the truth about God. In John 8, 31, Jesus talks to the Jews. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth is that I'm a sinner in need of salvation. And that repentance is the way that I access that salvation And Jesus Christ provides forgiveness for my sins. And later he says, So if the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, Jesus says. Um, John 1, 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. There is no other life other than in Jesus Christ. There is no other way other than in Jesus Christ. And John 14, 6, the last, the last phrase says, No one, no one, no one comes to the Father except by me. It's hard to accept sometimes, but there is no other way. There's no other way. Some people think, well, you know, maybe all religions lead to the same place. No, they don't. Every other worldview, every other religion says you can get there on your own. You can climb the mountain to God on your own and here's our way to get there. That will, it doesn't work because Jesus had to come down and get us. You can't climb the mountain to God. Christianity is the only worldview, the only faith that says our God had to come get us. And he did. No one comes to the Father except by me. Do you believe that? No one comes to the Father except by me. Do you know the way to heaven? Do you know Jesus? One of the things about that parable we talked about earlier, Luke chapter 16, is that there is no change after you die. There's no change after Jesus comes back. There is no chance to change later. That's why today is the time. Now is the time. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't say, well, tomorrow maybe I'll have another chance or maybe I'll get smarter. Maybe I'll get wise. Maybe something else. Listen, today is the day. I can't promise you another second. 
You're not promised tomorrow. And there is no other way. That's why Jesus is so wonderful. The way is pretty simple. Will I repent and admit that I'm poor? And will I receive the gift of Jesus Christ by faith? Or am I counting on my goodness and my accomplishments? Listen, they don't mean a thing. What matters is the blood of Jesus Christ. Heaven is paradise. Better than anything you've ever done. Better than any place you've ever... Heaven is paradise. Hell is horrible. It's way worse than we can even describe. And I think one of the worst parts about hell is that you're missing heaven. And you were just... You were just a repentant prayer away. Just one confession to say, Jesus, I repent of my sins and I want you to save me. I want you to come into my life. Heaven is paradise. Hell is horrible. And death is final. Because of that, trust in Jesus as your way home rather than trusting in your ability to find your own way. You're not ever going to find your own way. Trust in Jesus today. Don't miss this offer. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.